one's coming out of Michigan. Uh, in the few years that he's lived in Warren, Michelle Laudry's neighbors thought that he was a bit out there with numerous police scanners in the house, barbed wire lining his fence and a penchant for explosives. Interesting gentleman. But even they were surprised when an explosion coming from his house rocked theirs on Saturday afternoon. So basically this guy's a bit of a nutcase. Doomsday. Doomsday. And then Armageddon happens at his house. Yeah. So long story short, this guy is making bombs inside his uh, inside his house and ends up blowing off both of his arms and setting his house on fire. He's still alive? Still alive. Yep. How does that happen? I don't know, but it makes me think like... Like how, I'm, I'm saying, I know how that happens as far as the bomb's concerned, but, and crazy guy decides to do what he's doing, but he blows off everything and then he lives, you know? Well, I mean, our guys just had that uh, guy who was welding lithium ion batteries together. And, oh, for the scooters or whatever? Yeah. It's like trying to yeah and uh, make his own like electric scooters. And, in an apartment complex, right? Yeah. yeah. So you, jeez. <laughs> but it makes you. It makes me think, like, how many people uh, have those houses in their district or in their neighborhood? Oh, everywhere. Are like, hey, man, I know something's kind of going sketchy in there. Or hey, there's cameras everywhere. Or you know, that dude's got a ton of dogs that, that are not pets. As we like to say, they're in East Metro. <laughs> it happens anywhere. It happens there. So. But yeah, basically, there was a dog inside his house. He suffered from severe burns and significant blood loss. The dog's okay, but if you take a picture or a look at the picture of his house, it's pretty much just his entire garage got blown off. And then you can see security cameras like everywhere. And it's like, oh how many God. people? How many people are out there like that? Man, three percent. Three percent of people. Is that too high? I think that might be a little bit high. One percent. Um, Less than one point five percent. Well, it got me thinking, like. What what would you see the most of around? Like we just had Fourth of July last night, and it was a pretty epic amount of fireworks and you know people going up to Wyoming and getting just some wild wild stuff. So, what would your guess on how many people get hurt every year from fireworks? Uh, I'll just I'm gonna give a instead of a percentage of the population, I'll give a, a just a hard number. I'm gonna say a hundred thousand people in America have injuries from fireworks on the 4th of July every year. Last year, nine people died and an estimate of 11,500 were injured. I was way over. Yeah. What would you, what's like, what are your, what are your thoughts on the, uh, type of firework that has like the most amount of injuries? Bottle rockets. Bottle rockets? I know. I mean, that's for kids. Okay. How many bottle rockets did you shoot at your friends? We had in like, your neighbor's uh, yard. We had like Roman candle fights. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say probably those, I mean, you got the big ones, right? You just don't get far, far yeah, away. hundred percent right. It's the mortars. Yeah. Those are the ones that have like the most epic amount of injury. How many people go deaf from those? Oh man. Boom. Yeah. Shell and mortar fireworks are the most dangerous. They cause 40% of all the fireworks injuries that lead to hospitalizations. So the moral of the story is if you can check your neighbors out in your apartment complex sometimes it's hard but well it got me thinking check your neighbors out in every neighborhood i mean you got crazy next to you might be time to move it got me thinking it was like when did this like domestic terrorist thing get popular well when you're consuming social media that's you know kind of the fear factor the fear mongering i think people just get 
tied into it and then they just start listening to different channels, different, you know, alt-right, far-left stuff, you know. It's like the extremists, right? And then you just you start consuming more and more of it. You start believing it, and then it just changes changes the way you are, you know? Yeah, so I'm definitely on some watch lists now because I was – uh, I was looking up how to like, blow up your house. Totally, I'm looking up like how many bomb maker, like homemade bomb makers oh are there. God. Like all, so yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this CIA, uh, um, so the first time that I can see domestic terrorist was kind of put into writing that I could find was when the Patriot Act came out after 9/11, and it basically says that a domestic terrorist engages in acts that are dangerous to human life, is in violation of the criminal law. Uh, of the United States, if the act appears to be intended to intimidate or coerce civilian population, influence the policy of a government by intimidating or coercing, to affect or conduct a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. And from 2002 to 2005, 23 out of 24 terrorist incidents were all domestic terrorism. It was all it was all our own people. So of all the terrorist acts in those time frames, it was all us killing each other, which I thought was like was wild. And do you remember the Anarchist Cookbook? Mm-mm. It was like how to make bombs. It was how to make bombs, but it was kind of like one of those things where if you like knew someone who had it, or like someone who, you know, oh, I got a page, or I got a few pages, and it was basically like a what I thought was a way to like, Hey, this is like a step-by-step guide on like how to make bombs, things like that. It turns out that this 19 year old kid wrote it and he was a kind of like more left leaning person during Vietnam. And he was trying to create a document that would give people a, you know, resource if they wanted to basically uh, become an anarchist. So you have this 19-year-old kid who put this thing together that is now like one of the most banned. It's illegal to even own it. Oh, wow. Isn't that wild? And he would sell it by like the page. Where's like, this kid at now? Dollar page. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it, it was in during Vietnam when he was oh, 19. Okay. So, oh, okay. I mean, I think, uh, you know what? I actually read that he was living overseas and uh, he like regrets even putting it out. Because you, you, when you look back at like, even like Columbine, which is relatively recently, that was like a big thing that they had was they had access to this anarchist cookbook. And if you go to like any gun show, it's, you know, usually at that like table with all the stuff where you're like, man, that's, I feel like this yeah. <laughs> stuff's a little too off. <laughs> um, but yeah, 2 million copies of that thing were, were sold. Back, jeez. Oh, Isn't that nuts? There's that many so now people. if you even search for it, it's like red flag. Oh, I'm definitely on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely on some list. That's you got for sure, a anarch- You went to Amazon, you got Prime Deliver and the Anarchist cookbook tomorrow? Yeah, but it makes you, yeah. It makes you think about when we go to fires and stuff, like, okay, what's in that, what's in that person's Oh, garage? man, yeah. That's, we've had those. Well, yeah. so I thought about my very first structure fire I ever went to. And uh, it was a garage fire, middle of the night, and... Uh, I had obviously no idea what I was doing. So we get off the rig and it was partially raining and garage fire. And when we get out, mask up right away and I can hear like popping, 
happening. And someone was like, hey, those are rounds. And I was like, can I? <laughs> what was that one meme? Like, ah, the, the fire shooting at us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, I was like, oh man, like, what, what else is in here? So it turns out after we, the fire's done, he had been not only like he was a reloader, like we had a bunch of reloading stuff in there, but uh, he was also storing diesel fuel in big drums. So after the fire, we all take our masks off and we were like kneeling in diesel fuel. Oh, that's great. Yeah. For the, that whole entire time. Have you ever had a call like that? I don't personally remember having that. I mean, I remember actually being done with the fire and then either went in the basement or the garage and there's all these, you know, round, just boxes and boxes of rounds. I mean, some guy was storing old grenades too, you know, like, <laughs> Jesus, you know, like, all right, let's just get out of here. Yeah. You never know, man. We don't do inspections on personal property, you know, so you never know. Yeah. It makes me think, I mean, obviously it doesn't make you think twice about going in there, but there are those houses where, you know, we had a dude in, uh, when I worked down South who had cameras everywhere and we always thought he was a drug dealer just cause he was like kind of like a weird dude. All of his windows were all blacked out with trash bags and tin foil and, um, every time we went into his bedroom, cause he was like a bad diabetic, he had, uh, assault rifles on both ends of his bed. And luckily we had become like, I don't know if close <laughs> would be a good way. We saw him so much that it, it kind of lost that like fear factor, but you know, you go in there for a structure fire and there's loaded like live weapons everywhere, man, that really like changes it's game changer it changes the game a little yeah. bit man yeah. it's super creepy i can't believe he's still alive i know it's nuts there seems to be a growing number of really angry younger men in our world i mean we like just yesterday 22 year old kid opens fire at a parade right nope, near no purpose man right near where i grew up they don't have any purpose you, do you think that's like the linchpin of the whole thing I don't know. I, I'm always interested in the backgrounds to see how people got there. Yeah. You know, sometimes when they're 45, 50 years old, you know, that's a, that's a long period of time to really go back and like, see how did it happen? Like, but 22 years, it's like, okay, we're, we're talking about a, a childhood here and kind of through high school, this just manifests. Is it single parent? Is it no structure? Is it, you know, you get everything you want? Is it, bullied but never knew how to cope with it you know is it is it sitting in front of the tv or computer and consuming just negative shit is it a need for attention and this is the way to get it i don't know it's just complicated and i read the like definitive account of the columbine shooters recently and i was shocked at the fact that the narrative that was spun in the media was so off base. They weren't bullied. They weren't outcasts. They weren't all these things that the, the media made them out to be. So what is this you're reading it from? Uh, it's called Columbine. Yeah. Um, and it's like the definitive account of, uh, of what happened. So who, where are they getting the facts from? They oh. interviewing parents and they're these Cleveland parents. Harris actually friends. They, yeah, they were. So parents. No, but did FBI, they interview their their friends? Everybody. Yeah, okay. Um, and they also 
had the uh, the profiler from the FBI uh, was in there quite a bit as well. Okay. So immediately I'm like, oh, well, it's the parent's fault. Like, how could you be that bad of a parent that you could raise this monster? And Dylan's dad was like, took him fishing all the time, super involved. They knew he was, was a bit troubled, like got him help. I mean, it was just like, you, you did everything you thought you had. They to. were invested. Yeah. And it yeah, still yeah. didn't, didn't work. Which is, it's an incredible book. So then I got a few texts because the shooting that happened yesterday at the parade was right next to where I grew up. I knew a lot of people who were at the parade and who were uh, involved in the EMS side afterwards. And long story short, friend of a friend was uh, this guy's teacher through middle school. And so he was basically like, I knew out of all the kids that he taught, if, if right now you're like, hey, who would be the active shooter out of every student you've had over the entire career of you teaching? He was like, it was this kid. And that was middle school. So like, I think that these problems are, st- and I could be wrong, but like they seem to start a long time ago. And I don't, from, from the Columbine book that I read, it seemed to be the majority of it was a chemical imbalance. Brain-wise? Or yeah, and mostly narcissism was the like defining characteristic of, of those shooters in particular, and a lot, of, a lot of killers in general. But it seems like almost hope, like hopeless, right? Like you have these kids who are kind of messed up. Like what do you... It's just a matter of time. It's like when. Right, like a ticking not, time bomb, right? Yeah. And, you know, we have a guy at our station who his his best buddy's a teacher. And he's like, I'm telling you right now, this kid, because we've run on him. Yeah, he, I know who you're right? talking about. So yeah. he's like, this kid will will shoot. Do what? Do something. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, what do you do with that in, intel? You tell the cops. I mean, the cops knew about this kid in Highland Park. What do you, I mean, what do you do? I think the system can only do so much, right? Until because until it happens, yeah. But then, but then you know they're in, insane, and they can't be tried, and you know it's it's a mental health issue. It's hard. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty complex, and we're too stupid to have I'm any answers. I don't, that. I don't know what. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what to do about that. All right, let's move on to Canada. Oh boy. The Great White North. We have a lot of listeners from Canada. I like hockey. I like hockey to go Avs, by the way. It's not Canada, but they were Canada at one time. The Avalanche were? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, Quebec Nordiques. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, sorry, Quebec. We got them now. They came here and started winning all their Stanley Cups. I don't know about if you say all their Stanley Cups. They have two of them. This was their third. Third? They won two in the 90s. Oh shit! See, I don't know my. I, I'm I'm a transplant. Yeah, but did they win any in Quebec? Quebecois. <laughs> Here, here's my Quebec story. Oh okay. uh, yeah, this is great. Okay, so I'm selling a car on Craigslist. This is years ago. It's like over a decade ago, and I'm living in middle of Denver, and we've got a street in Denver called Quebec Street. Okay, it's main, pretty much main thoroughfare that runs through the metro area. And this guy is meeting me, and 
uh, giving him directions and we're on the phone. And he's like, I'm, I'm here. You know, like, where do I turn? What do I, and I'm like, you gotta turn right on this street and this street. He's like, well, I'm at cubic street. Cubic. And I'm like, cubic. <laughs> what the hell is cubic street? Like, I can't, I'm, I'm getting so mad. You know, totally. like, I can't help you out. Like we don't have a cubic street in Denver. Fucking Quebec with an hell yeah. yeah! I'm at Cubic Street. <laughs> like shit. You have pop flares. So every time I see Quebec Street, I think of Cubic Cubic, Cubic Street. Hell yeah! Yeah. So you used to sell a lot Cubic, of cars. Cubic Nordique. Didn't you like flip cars for a while? For the, uh, let's just say, up until like three or four years ago, I was up near about fifty cars I'd owned in about a, like ten to twelve year period. I was like flipping them and drive them, get tired of them. It's kind of exhausting, but I never lost money on the car. Sounds like a sickness. So. All right, let's get back to the business. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Up in yeah, Canada. Here up we go. In Great White North. I'm gonna have you watch this video and just kind of describe. We're, we're gonna throw this video up on our Patreon so our patrons can watch this. Just kind of describe what, what's going on there. What am I watching here? You got. Where do you find this stuff? You'd be surprised. Dog, dog's hungry, man. Where's the dog go? He goes to the kitchen. I know my dog would do that. Sniffing around. Where's the mice? <laughs> oh, but he's paw. Oh, my God. You kidding me? So he jumped up on the counter, and his paw hit the little electronic buttons. On the stove. Yeah. Dang. So what you can't see on there is there is a pot of grease. I don't know what they're cooking up there. Up in there in the can. Well, I'm going to say Canadian bacon. You put the stove on anything after a while, it's going to burn up and start something. So what happens is this dog basically uh, gets this oil super hot and it explodes. Did the dog survive? Yes. Do you disown the dog, take him to the pound? Absolutely not. My man's what trying if you, to cook. What if your kids were sleeping inside? Sorry. Dog stays. Okay. You're that. It's my way? fault, right? I left it. I left it on the stove. I think the dog needs to be caged from now on when you leave. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely see that. But anyways, pan explodes, starts the kitchen on fire. Everybody's out except for these other two dogs. They brave firefighters come and, you know, save the day, save the two dogs. But it got me thinking, what is like the gnarliest fire started by an animal in history that we know? I was of? actually going to ask you, what's the weirdest circumstances oh easy this one's easy dude what do you got we go to a garage fire okay okay a good one there was a car inside it it was uh it was a quick stop but it got uh it was you know about half involved when we first got there so we are there for probably four hours investigating this thing okay like just cannot the the People were home in the house. They have no idea how it started. So after this four hours of investigating, the investigator comes out and he's like, I think I found what happened. You know those fly catchers that you put a little water? No, no, no. Put a little water in them. All the flies fly in. Yep. Little little, uh, plastic bag. Mm -hmm. So they had a full bag of those. Super hot day. They threw them at the bottom of a trash can and put the trash can in the garage. The exothermic reaction of those flies decaying, in addition to the chemicals that were in that bag, started the garbage can on fire. Wow. Insane. I 
can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I know there's been some weird ones. Not necessarily like I actually remember going on a car fire, um, going back to all the cars I owned. Yeah. <laughs> Ford had this recall of their basically like cruise control switch that comes off the master cylinder and the plug would the oil would leak into it and it start on fire. So we go on this um you know, car fire of a I think it was a Bronco. Like ninety four Bronco. Just the you know, just spontaneously started middle of the day, owners like I I just got home. And it like got the hood open, got it extinguished and, you know, the master cylinder and the brake booster were like melt gone of of everything else. I was like, I just saw this fire right here. Where's the recall? No, there's no there's no recalled harness there. Boom, done. No need to call arson. No. For one day I wasn't arson. <laughs> Pretty good at it. We definitely went to a fire, that R V fire. Those people definitely set that shit off themselves. Oh yeah, man. That was a like, weird one. They didn't want it. They they just bought it, they, and then they were like, oh, "They bought it, man, and didn't they say like, yeah, man, like we've had problems.' They yeah. they came out and said we've had problems since we bought it. Like it's been a nightmare. It like, was well, let's just start on fire. It though. was three a.m. and they're like, yeah, we heard. This. Why were they? They were wide awake, wide awake, all dressed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, we heard this this alarm <laughs> Why go are off. You up, yeah. And that was hot as fuck in there, mm-hmm. dude. Fuck a little Anyways. home. Uh, but it made me think, like, what's the most epic fire started by an animal? It's got to be some major forest fire that I don't know. I didn't think. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was talking about 1871 Chicago fire. How did it start? Miss O'Leary's cow. You know about that story? Refresh me. All right. So here's the folklore behind that: is October 8th, 1871, downtown Chicago, Patrick and Catherine O'Leary. Okay, it's where the house that it started at. I was always told growing up that uh, this cow kicked over a lantern, which started the barn on fire, and then basically tore through all of Chicago. Um, it, the fire went on for two days. 300 people died. Uh, 17,000 buildings were destroyed. Good Lord. And $4 billion, blah, 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 billion dollars in damage. Which from, that from this cow. is... So what would that translate to this no, day? No, so that is... That is uh, Two hundred million in eighteen seventy one days. Okay, so four like billion. Four today. billion today. Okay, it was like four billion back then. Oh, I don't even know Maybe if that fathomable. number existed yeah. back then. <laughs> uh, but that was the uh, the lore that I was told, and it turns out. Did the cow live? Of course, it lived. No, man, that was hamburger meat. No, it would be. It's like yep, slaughter tomorrow. But that didn't. That's not what happened. This dude, uh, years later, admitted to it. Oh, that blame a cow. I know, right? Blame a cow. Cow's like, well, yeah, what did I do? Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm so just grazing out here. This guy was at a uh, at a card game, and it got broken up by the by the cop by the fuzz. So he's leaving, runs out of this card game, and knocks over this lantern, mm. and then blames it on the Good old Lord. bovine. Just think, right? The circumstances surrounding that are pretty amazing, right? Well, yeah. Well, how do you like? Come- we're gonna break up a poker game. And start and and, the most epic fire yeah. ever. But yeah, they, I mean, Chicago was ripe for destruction. Yeah. All like stick frame buildings right next to each other. And uh, yeah. Windy. Win- city. It's the Windy City. Do you know why they call it the Windy City? Because it's windy. It, 
it is windy. That is not why, why they call it the windy. It's because uh, the politicians were all blowing so much hot air. Get out of I swear. Okay. What other kind of Chicago folklore do you need me to... Uh, Nothing. I don't want to even... Get into it? No. Let's talk about sports. Chicago sports. Oh, but Now is not the year to talk about current events. Chicago sports. Okay. Moving on. That's it. That was the only It's that time again. Give a shout out to some of our awesome patrons who just signed up. The show would not be possible without you guys. We have some new video coming out. All that video is thank you to the patrons. So thank you, Nick Mata. Thank you, Theophany. Thought you'd get me on that one, didn't you? Thank you, Ashley. Rob Hulse. What a stud. Thank you, Brian. Jason Griffin. And Nate Livermore. Thank you for signing up. If you're interested for more content like this, head on over to the-standard.us.